Uh, the NBA world was informed that a captain from Grambling has died at the age of 80, and his name is Willis Reed. Number 19. 19. Number 19. I mean, what can you say about someone that hit two baskets in a seventh game and couldn't continue because of such a horrid injury. Right. And yet those two baskets sent 19,563 in Madison Square Garden into a frenzy. Yeah, you would have thought either one of those was the game winner. But they right. in the first quarter. Yeah. And and the Knicks won by 14. Yeah. They won that game by 14, 113 to 99. Yeah. And, and what's lost in that is that Walt Frazier scored 36 points mm-hmm. in that game. Walt Frazier took the mantle and said, all right, let's get busy. All right. Yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. But it's those two baskets by Willis Reed. Mm-hmm. Both of those on jump shots. Pay attention, LeBron. And, and Reed that, didn't. Play, Reed wasn't at his best at all since no, game five of that series. No, he wasn't at all. Will Chamberlain was was dominating that series, and the Knicks mm-hmm. figured out how to defend him for one game and one game only. And what was that game? Game seven. Rest in peace, Chris Schenkel as well, who called that game for ABC. And and and, and let's not get it twisted. It wasn't that Willis Reed had a bad finals. No. I mean, Opinion. Willis Reed was the first player in NBA history to win the regular season MVP, the All-Star Game MVP. And the finals MVP. The first player to complete that triple crown. I mean, the dude got busy. I mean, mm-hmm. in the finals, 32 and 15. So he, he wasn't a slouch. It wasn't a, okay, where well, he was a bit player. Nope. And he, he went down. All of a sudden, he was an inspirational figure and, you know, and, and basically hit two jumpers on on one leg. No, he, he was more than that. He actually was a really good player on a solid all-around team. He was a hell of a player. Yeah. He was a, he was a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Okay, rest in peace, number 19, Willis Reed. And if I may do an impression of one John Condon, at center, number 19, Captain Willis Reed. When he got introduced for game seven, and you heard that from John Condon. Oh, my gosh. You would have, you would have thought, the, you would, seriously would have thought the roof in was going to come off or cave in or, 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 or something. Implode. It, man, yeah. they, you, thought the, you thought they were going to blow the roof off the joint. Mm-hmm. Because people were thinking or, he wasn't going to start or even play. Or in the words of Keith Jackson, they were about to peel the paint off the joint. And he was right. The way the way they exploded for they that. Lord. Okay. Look, the most Chris Shankle and company at ABC were setting up the game. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they spot Willis Reed coming out. Yep. Mm-hmm. What a moment. Yeah. What a moment. And, and that, I and mean, Larry Bird repeated it in 1991 when he fell on his face and had to go back to the locker room to get treatment. But Willis Reed, yeah, during 
they were they were questioning during that broadcast. I believe I have the original broadcast from ABC. They were questioning to that moment. To that moment. If Willis Reed was going to play. They talked about his injury. Again, the late Chris Schenkel called that game. Rest in peace, Chris Schenkel. They were questioning up until that moment if they were going to play the if they were going to play the game if he was going to play the game or not. They were setting that up, and then they see him walk out. Yep. And when Willis Reed walked out, that was it. That was it. That, that was it for the Lakers too. The that, game yeah, was done. Yeah. yeah, the game was over. Because that after was a huge boost for Willis the Reed whole, walked out. That was a huge boost for the Knicks. I mean, the, I mean, they played as though it was like they played as though it was like they had they were on life support, and all of a sudden they got an EKG joke, and then the next thing you know, they had it looked like they played like they had a new lease on life. And he and he hit a couple of jumpers in the warmups, mm-hmm. and they went nuts. They went nuts. I'm, and you mentioned it. We're talking about a team that had Walt Frazier on it, that mm-hmm. had Bill Bradley on it, that had Dave, Dave Busher on it. So we're not talking about slouches on this team no. where it was like it was just him and nobody else. Not at all. But that you had, team was stacked in 1970. You had stacked players and you had all of them follow the lead of number 19. That was how great of an impact Willis Reed had on the Knicks. And let's not forget Red Holtzman. Oh, yeah, the coach of the team. Who was the, who was the coach of the Knicks at the time? And how... He put that team together. Everybody in New York yes. was, was hyped up for game seven. I got a piece of Marv Albert's call because Marv Albert was Ooh, joined the Knicks yes. five years earlier. Yeah, I was about to say, not not brand new, but newish. Yeah. I mean, Phil ja- Phil Jackson was on that team, number 18. Right. Yeah, he was off the bench. Right. Thank you, Sick Diggy, for that. Phil Jackson was on that team. Yeah. Defensive stalwart came off the yeah. bench. That's how Red Holtzman used him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of. And, and so he was pay like atten- the pay attention, sort of, Darvin Ham. He was sort of like the uh, the the precursor to a Kurt Brampus type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that was that's and, and if you watch any basketball in the and if you watch any kind of basketball in the eighties, you know the legend of Kurt Rambis, mm-hmm. aka Clark Kent. Yeah, let me call him in Los Angeles. Yeah, he was he was yeah he was the guy that you didn't call on him for points. You didn't necessarily call him for rebounds. You basically call him for defensive defensive pressure and mm-hmm. hustle plays. And what gets and crowds, what gets a home crowd more hyped than anything? A well-timed block, a well-timed steal, or a well-timed save from uh from the ball going out of bounds and it starts a fast break. Any one of those three things that sends a home crowd in a frenzy, and you value players like that. That was the type of player that Phil Jackson was. I got a present for you. I got to put something together. In game six, the Lakers took the floor with defense of their title hanging in the balance. A battered Isaiah Thomas performed heroically for Detroit. But it wasn't enough. 
the Lakers escape with a victory, forcing tonight's dramatic seven-game showdown. This has been a series of startling contrasts, from the friendships off the court to the fierce hostility on it. We've witnessed the youthful exuberance of the challengers and the poise of the champions. There's been hardship and pain, but not enough to overcome sheer guts and determination. These teams have fought each other to a standstill, and tonight their destiny will be determined. It's just a question of who can endure this final hurdle. The Lakers hope to repeat history tonight, while the Pistons hope to make some. A championship is at stake, and only one team's prayers will be answered. Can we have that age of the NBA come back? June of two, um, June of nineteen eighty-eight. Nineteen eighty-eight. Man, let me yes. say that year. Why it's a, it's approaching the top of the hour, and I love it. Listen, bisexuals, the year again, nineteen eighty-eight, one of the greatest final series ever, ever. And and this is coming, this this is coming from one person who at the time could not stand the Pistons and got to dislike them even further <laughs> as the yep. years went on. And yep. a guy, and 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 a guy who, yeah, it was like it, it was it was painful to see the Lakers go to the finals year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And the Pistons, yeah, I I didn't really root for them, and but for I the wanted to see something time, different. They were the best. They were the best team in the West, and they were the best team in the West easily, easily. I mean, to the point where the only two times they did not make it to the finals, it was the Rockets that they that knocked them out in eighty one and eighty six. Yep. Every other year in the '80s, the Lakers were the Western Conference reps. The Lakers the were the Western Conference reps. They were the so, West- it, yeah. So by that time, I was like, man, anybody but the Lakers, right? So, so but you also, yes. appre- but you also appreciated that. But it, uh, yeah. But it you was also appreciated the, that time. It was one of the best finals I ever seen. One of the best I've ever seen. Before or since, one of the best I've ever seen. Thank you. Thank you. Because how can you, how can people say that that wasn't the greatest series? One or one thereof. If it's the greatest, if you're, if, if, if you're like, okay, well, 84, I'd say, okay, I, I, I wouldn't argue that. that. Yeah, man, 1984. This spectacular series has had everything. Thank you, Brent Musburger, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. eighty four was spectacular. Yeah. Eighty eight was off the charts. Yeah, and of course, you know, and and well, for you, any and for you personally, any of the six in the nineties for you with the Bulls. Yep, and ninety four for me. You know, personally, of course, there'd be there'd be one that would rank higher, but just as analysts, mm-hmm. yeah, eighty four, eighty eight to me, ninety four I liked, and that was yep. and, and that's distancing myself as a Rockets fan. <laughs> um, Thank you, Akeem Olajuwon, for that yeah. block in Game Number Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, even though it, even though it was ugly in terms of offense, 2010 wasn't too bad. West you know, final so- West Finals of 02. Oh, what uh, is your yeah, favorite? Yeah, what is your favorite? Yeah. 
What the question is that? Let's light it up right. Let's light it up right now before we begin hour two. What is your favorite playoff series that you have witnessed? It, it, just put the year down you're and going to the level. You're going. You're you're going to um. You're going to be shocked as as the one I'm going to say. Try me. My favorite all time. My favorite series of of all time. 1993. Western Conference Semifinals, Sonics Rockets. I'm and not shocked. Is, and I'm, this I've is watched a, every I watched mm-hmm. every minute of that series. Yeah, you could. To me, you could not have found a more evenly matched mm-hmm. series than that one. And the four games in Seattle, you <sighs> thought they were in the kingdom. Yeah, I mean the atmosphere was absolutely raucous. I mean, game seven, the Rockets game silenced seven. the crowd and took a big lead. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the third quarter happened. Yep, and the Sonics just ate at that lead. And then it was just nip and tuck the rest of the way and took overtime for the Sonics to overcome it. And yes, and I'm saying that... All of a sudden, the third third period happened. Yeah, and and, and I'm I'm saying that as a Rockets fan, yeah, it was disappointing that they lost in seven, but again, distancing myself as an analyst. I mean, as a fan, looking at it as an analyst. Right, right, right. Right. That was that was one of the most well played series I've ever seen in my life. Rocket Sonics eighty seven. And Rocket Sonics eighty seven comes close. And yeah, and, and that yeah, wasn't in, a series, folks. That was a war. Yeah, and it's in, in a six game series, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. That was a six game war. Olajuwon's performance in game six. Oh god, he was a beast in that game. Oh that that, and that, that was that was heartbreaking. Points. Yeah. That was heartbreaking. He put he put his heart and soul on that court and the and the he couldn't he couldn't bring the he couldn't bring couldn't, the Rockets to a W. Yeah, it couldn't will them to a win. Couldn't I mean, will them to a win. And I if mean, he did, game, I think they would have won that series. But that, just, that game was so evenly matched. Yeah, that that game and that series was so evenly matched. Yeah, you know that's game six is one of those games you get in trouble for staying up late mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get in trouble for that because the next the next day, I swear to you, in the lunchroom, that's the game we were talking about. Yeah. That's the game. We, that's the game we were talking about. Yeah. I mean, every time Olajuwon had a made a difficult shot, it just seemed like the Sonics made an even they more an difficult shot. They had an answer with a more difficult shot. Yeah. Dale Ellis, anyone? Tom <laughs> <laughs> Chambers. Or yeah. Tom Cha- Chambers had what thirty eight? I think yeah. he finished yeah. thirty eight in that yeah. game. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. Houston takes Houston takes the lead. This is in regulation. Houston takes the lead. No, I, t- I take it back. That was this was in first in the first overtime. Houston takes the lead, and all of a sudden, you see Chambers flying up the floor, mm-hmm. and they find him. And Robert Reed found him on that dunk. I don't know how that. I don't know how that. Those two franchises played. They, how they the played, hell they did played Tom, some great series, man. How the hell did Tom Chambers? Beat everybody down the floor. I don't know. I don't know. How did he beat and, everybody? Because Olajuwon made a hell of a shot. Yeah. Beforehand. TV, I agree with you. If I Dale was that. here today, oh my gosh, he would be up there with with uh with Damian Lillard and, and Stephen Curry as the yes. in the game. Abs- absolutely. No, no I question have, about it. No, I have I have no no, no lie can be found with that no. statement. None, because he has broken my heart plenty of time watching him just hit a, <laughs> hit a key three or a key jumper against the Rockets. Oh I mean, man, eighty seven game, eighty seven game six. Before we go to before we go to hour two, 
87, game six. Rockets had the lead. 123 to 121. We're in double overtime. Elijah, and to give him the lead, Elijah Wan hit this impossible shot. Yeah. He was where he worked on this. On the left on the left baseline. They surrounded him. Alton Lister, Tom Chambers, they surrounded him. Or as Jim Durham would say, they sent the posse after him. <laughs> yeah, he was to the point where he was to the point where his game evolved to where you had to yep. send as many people as you could to stop him. And they sent a posse after him. All he does is turn around and hits an impossible fadeaway. And I'm looking at that going, how? A big a big man doing that. Right. And then the net and then the trip down trip down the floor you're thinking okay they don't have an answer Dale Ellis hits a 22 footer See, that, that, yeah and everybody everybody in Seattle goes nuts and they hear the PA man go Ellis and I know Cole's face was like not again the fuck is that yeah J- just when just when I think that just when I think we have this game wrapped and we're gonna bring it and we're gonna bring it back to the summit no <laughs> <That happens. laughs> yeah 